My name is Heidi, and I love stories. Funny stories, sad stories, and what on earth just happened to stories? As it turns out, the Bible is full of them, and after two decades in Sunday school and a master's in English, I'm here to tell them to you. Get ready. This is Messy Scripture. Sometime after the sacrifice, or what in Jewish tradition is known as the binding of Isaac, Sarah, Abraham's wife, passed away. He negotiated with the Hittites who were living in Canaan for a cave to bury her in so that his wife would get to be buried in the Promised Land. Yes, at this point I'm going to start calling it the Promised Land. It's going to come up a lot for a very long time. Canaan equals the Promised Land. There, we got that out of the way. Abraham took another wife and they had several sons. Abraham actually willed everything to Isaac, but he did supply his sons quite well while he was still alive, but he sent them all away to the east because he understood that Isaac was the promise bearer, the son of Sarah, and in fact, these new sons were not the promise bearer. Abraham is more than getting up there in years, and he wants to make sure that his son Isaac marries someone from their own clan, which is going to be difficult because, as you might remember, they had moved to the land God would show them some distance away. So Abraham summoned his most trusted servant, who was in charge of basically the entire running of the household, and had him put his hand under his thigh. I mention that very specific detail because if you think it's a euphemism, it very well might be. There's no scholarly consensus on whether or not it is. And in fact, the Old Testament has a ton of things that are in fact euphemisms. Or are possibly? That's what happens when you write something in a very old language. Even if we still know what the word means, we don't know what the word means. You know what I'm saying? For example, there's a difference between something and a thing, and in translation that might get lost. Anyway, the servant is made to pledge that he will make sure that Isaac marries someone from their own people, and he's sent on a little field trip to go find Isaac a wife. And he does. He journeys all the way back to Abraham's homeland, Mesopotamia, specifically the city of Nahor. You know, named after Abraham's brother. Nahor. The servant makes an extremely specific request of God because he's been charged with finding his master's son a wife. And because this servant is very familiar with Abraham and Isaac and the whole promise that they have from God, he also understands that he's been charged with finding the woman who will help continue on the promise. Again, the promise of the great nation, so it's kind of important that he gets this right. He'd stopped by a spring of water with a big bunch of camels, because, you know, it was a long journey, and so he thought of a sign that he could ask God for. The sign was that he would ask one of the girls who was bringing their water jugs to fill to bring back home if he could drink from them, and if the girl offered to help water his camels, it was the right one. He'd barely finished praying when a girl walked up, a real pretty girl. He asked her if he could use her water jug to drink, and she immediately not only gave him water, but ran to water his camels. He watched her in stunned silence. Seriously? This fast? He found someone, maybe this freaking fast? I mean, she's fulfilling the exact sign he'd asked for so recently. Like, this was not a pray and wait to see if something happens. This is a pray and look up and, oh, look, something's happening. As soon as the camels were finished drinking and he picked his jaw up off the floor, he got out some jewelry and asked her whose daughter she was and if there was room for him and his camels to stay the night. Out, she wasn't just anybody's daughter. She was the daughter of Bethuel. Bethuel, as it turns out, is Nahor's son, which means that the servant had stumbled into a cousin of Isaac. One try, and he found her. And so he celebrates, and the girl, whose name was Rebecca, brings him back home. Rebecca runs on ahead to go tell her mother's household, and one of the people that finds out about this whole event is her brother Laban. Laban is not an idiot, and he sees the jewelry that Rebecca's wearing, you know, the very fancy gifts like the arm rings and the earrings. And he understands that this situation might actually work out quite nicely for the whole family, and so definitely make sure that the servant stays with them overnight. 
Before he's even willing to eat the glorious meal that Laban and family had set out for him, the servant insists on telling the whole story, that he is a servant of Abraham, that he has been sent to find a wife for Abraham's son Isaac, and that Rebekah has fulfilled the exact sign that he asked for from God. They go through a very ceremonial conversation that eventually leads to Rebecca getting on a camel with a ton of jewelry given by Abraham's servant and going to meet Isaac. Upon the word of a servant and God himself, Rebecca has agreed to marry. It's interesting that Laban and family leave the choice also up to Rebecca because she decides to go with them and they say, Rebecca's yours, you can take her. They journey back to Abraham's encampment far, far away. And in the twilight of the evening, as Isaac is walking out in the field, he sees the camels approaching. They also see Isaac walking in the field, and when Rebecca realizes that this is her betrothed, she veils her face, as was custom. The servant dismounts and explains to Isaac exactly who this girl is and exactly what happened. And Isaac takes Rebecca into his mother's tent, and they become husband and wife. Yes, that means they had sex! Patriarch sex, baby. Isaac fell madly in love with Rebecca and continued to be madly in love with her pretty much for the rest of his life. They were a perfect couple. It's one of the few times in the Bible where you actually see a couple work out nicely. It might be because God totally shipped it. It also might be because, you know, the patriarchs. But as it turns out, Isaac and Rebecca were a good couple. We're going to pause talking about them for just a moment to go back a teensy tiny bit. Remember that time that Abraham told Pharaoh that Sarah, his wife, who was also his half-sister, was actually just his sister and Pharaoh took... Sarah to be his wife, but before they had sexy time, there was a plague, and then they all figured it out and everything worked out, and Abraham got rich? Well, it turns out Abraham pulled that crap twice. He did it to a king named Abimelech when they were living in the land of Gerer? Gerer? Gerer. Let's go with Gerer. He told Abimelech that Sarah was his sister. Abimelech took Sarah to be his wife, and then before they had sexy time, the entire household was suddenly infertile, and Abimelech figured out that Abraham had lied to him and basically kicked him out of the area. Eventually, they came to a treaty, and so they had a somewhat fraught but more or less friendly relationship because Abimelech, the way that the story is told, seemed more hurt than anything that Abraham thought that he couldn't live in the land with a pretty wife. I mean, that's absurd. Not that it wasn't within Abimelech's rights as king to take Sarah from Abraham and kill him, but that just wasn't Abimelech's style. The reason that I backtrack a little bit and tell you this story now is because eventually, long after Abraham had died and Ishmael and Isaac, yes, Ishmael showed back up for the funeral, got to bury Abraham, there was a famine in Canaan, and lo and behold, Isaac and Rebekah go to Gerer. And guess who's still king? It's Abimelech. And guess what they do? Isaac comes up with this brilliant plan, a plan that his father had tried twice before he was born, not even during his lifetime. So he'd never seen this crap pulled before, but he'd heard about it, probably. And he tells Rebecca that they should lie and say that they're brother and sister. Abimelech doesn't fall for it this time and doesn't take Rebecca as his wife, but just observes. Eventually, no surprise here, Abimelech catches Isaac and Rebecca, quote, laughing. I say, quote, because laughing in this context seems to mean having sexy time. He sees him through a window and he thinks about it and he's like, I don't think Isaac and Rebecca are that kinky. I think they lied to me. And Abimelech calls in Isaac and asks him, what the heck, my dude? Why'd you do this? And Isaac is like, oh, I was scared you would kill me. And he's like, well, now I'm angry. Before I was just like, whatever. Go, go away. So Isaac and Rebecca pack up and leave. This is after they've had kids, so their kids definitely observe this weird behavior. But Isaac learned it from his father, genetically, I guess, because he had never seen his dad pull this nonsense. Abimelech did this while Sarah was pregnant with Isaac. 
or more or less based on the timeline. It's kind of difficult to tell. This is not the last time in the Bible, by the way, that a father is going to do something that almost kind of worked. You know, the half lie about Sarah just being his sister and not also being his wife. And the kid takes it to a whole new level because now it's cousins. Sarah and Abraham have passed into the arms of God, and Isaac has met the love of his life, Rebecca, who is, by the way, don't forget, gorgeous. Next episode, we're going to find out about their children, children, plural, and a brotherly conflict is going to spin way, way, way out of hand. One might even say that the conflict is going to be of, wait for it, biblical proportions. Catch you then. Bye.